This is CyberSound, your simplified and fundamentals-focused source for all things cybersecurity, with your hosts, Jason Pufall and Stephen Mareska. Welcome to CyberSound. I'm your host, Jason Pufall, today joined by both Steve Mareska and Carrie Bonin. Welcome, guys. Hey. Hi. So today we're going to cover the riveting topic of security standards. Uh, we'll be throwing acronyms out there like NIST 800 later and ISO 27000, right? We'll, and we'll, we'll get a little bit more detail than that. Um, I gave some thought to this over the weekend. And, you know, we get... We get a lot of blank stares, I think, when we talk about security standards, especially with smaller organizations that aren't so familiar with the idea of having to adhere to a standard. And I think it's partly because the, the industry uses tier terms like framework or GRC, right, governance, risk, and compliance. And they feel, in my opinion, they, they sort of feel ominous, right? They, they feel big. They feel cumbersome. Uh, I don't know that people understand sort of why they would need to align with them, what the value might be. So I want to touch on that a little bit today. And some businesses don't even believe they have real com- compliance requirements. So it's sort of a subject that is an unknown in right. general. Yeah, I mean, we get that, right? The well, I don't have data that anybody cares about. You know, Nobody looks at us as an organization, right? There's any number of reasons to feel like security you know, could be an afterthought. But I think if we anchored this a little bit more on the idea of, you know, rather than say standards and frameworks, uh, and just a little bit more like a blueprint, I, I feel like that's more the spirit of these, right? It really is provide you something to build a program against, right? You'd never build a house without a blueprint and expect the house to turn out in any way, the, the, the way you would envision it, right? Your, your idea of a cape and the builder's idea of a cape could be totally different without a set of blueprints. Same thing as these. Give yourself a blueprint, build your program, make it aspirational. It can take some time to build against, uh, but choosing something I think is the right path. Um, I'm interested in your opinions around really, though, what the benefits of aligning to these standards might be? Well, there's several benefits. Um, A company needs to know what information is secure, not only for their organization, but for their customers as well. Customers more frequently want to know what what are you doing to secure our information. Sometimes it's a prerequisite for doing business at all. Mm-hmm. So it's really about demonstrating rigor, demonstrating care is being taken to protect information, protect your, your customer's data. We've seen a lot more of that too, right? The third-party risk assessments and you know, questionnaires that you know, customers submit to their sort of upstream providers. Uh, it's, people are much more concerned now about what happens to the data that they trust you with. And, it, you know, it, and it's a fair amount of work to demonstrate that. And I think you know, aligning to a specific standard or using a specific blueprint maybe uh, can potentially really help show where you are on that maturity spectrum. On the same topic, uh, brand reputation is a big one too. You know, nobody wants to have a data breach associated with their brand. Right. And after a breach, sometimes it's a requirement to demonstrate certain actions have been taken to a certain uh, certain criteria uh, in order to actually regain the trust of business partners. Well, and, you know, Carrie, you, you were mentioning earlier before we started this around the idea of, of, a, of a roadmap, right? right? And I think, you know, if you are having a conversation with a, with a client or you are trying to demonstrate or, or sort of keep your reputation intact, it's valuable to be able to say, 
we align to a specific standard. Um, here's our roadmap toward compliance, right? We're 30% of the way there or 50% of the way there. Mm-hmm. I think being able to demonstrate to people that you take it seriously, that you had an active plan for compliance is a much more positive discussion than simply saying, yeah, we did some things that we thought were probably right. And, and we see that all the time. Realistically, these frameworks were put together by experts in their field. You know, they've all gone back and figured out what was the best practice, what were some of the vulnerabilities, let's look at the cyber attacks, and come up with something that basically secures companies, their data, their information, uh, going forward. And it shows you how to get there. And it, and it lets, it just occurred to me, it lets people speak the same language, right? If you yeah. say to somebody, I align to, I'll throw out the first, the first sort of set of numbers, right? Mm-hmm. I align to NIST 800-171. That means something to folks in higher ed, to people in the Department of Defense space. It gives them context, right? It gives yeah. them an ability to say, okay, I know, I generally know where you're going. I understand the families. I know the controls. It, it's a val- That's a valuable way to start a conversation. And I think there's an important emphasis here. Um, Many businesses feel that they are not obligated under certain regulations. They don't perceive themselves as having compliance requirements. There's a difference between obligation and aspiration. It's appropriate to aspire to a standard that may, in other businesses, be a requirement. Mm. Because at least in in that sense, you are looking forward to new markets, new partners, uh, mm-hmm. demonstrating an excess, perhaps in your industry, of rigor that helps you differentiate from other entities. It's a multifaceted type of conversation. So we talked a little bit already about you know, the, the why, right? I, and I think you know, reputation, certainly customer trust is really valuable. Um, to some degree, it puts you in the driver's seat of the, of the conversation, which I you know, personally I think is a valuable thing to do. Uh, gives you something to measure your security program against. Mm-hmm. Um, Steve, you've mentioned now at least a couple of times, say regulatory requirements, you know, not, not just trying to implement a mature security program for the betterment of you know, your own company, but you might be compelled to do that. You might be compelled to do it if you manage certain types of data. You know, if you're a healthcare organization, you undoubtedly know about HIPAA. Mm-hmm. Um, if you deal with credit card transactions, you know about PCI. PCI. And those are great if you're those types of organizations. However, if your business doesn't deal with that sort of information or you've subcontracted that uh, activity out to third parties so that they have to do most of the heavy lifting, your business may still be subject to regional privacy laws uh, like the Massachusetts privacy law, like California data disclosure requirements, if there is any sort of security event like the New York Shield Act. There are a variety of uh, regulatory frameworks that, uh, frankly, traverse state boundaries, regional boundaries, international alike, and they have embedded within them reference to, or frankly, um, derivative from standards themselves. If you can attest to a certain standard, you are essentially making it easier to comply with those broader regulatory requirements that may be looming in the background, not even something on the radar of many business, businesses. The, you know, the Connecticut has the, the 
House Bill 6607. And I I don't want to spend a lot of time on that because I think we'll actually try to dedicate a podcast to that. Um, But what I found interesting about it was they said, we're encouraging small business, we're encouraging businesses to align to a security standard, right? They didn't specifically say you must pick this one, or we're going to, we're going to mandate that you pick this one, right? They really just want to see formality in the security program. Um, and I think in a lot of ways that that's what I would personally advocate for, right? Rather than trying to look at these and say 853, and Carrie, I'm going to, I'm going to push a couple of these to you in a second, but you know, we've got 853 and it's hundreds of pages long versus mm-hmm. You know, ISO 27000, which sort of you, you know, touts itself as maybe an international standard, and they don't know what to choose. And, you know, maybe, you know, the, the ultimate bad outcome is they choose nothing. Uh, so I'm wondering, you know, I, we've got three I know that we spoke sort of specifically about. Yeah. Um, you know, a, a NIST standard, um, an ISO standard, and then the you know, sort of CFF. And I'm wondering if you could spend a second just high level on what those are. Okay. Well, the NIST 800-171 or NIST 853, um, both have to deal with security and privacy of your information. Um, The ISO 27001 is along the same lines. It has much more of a managerial aspect to it, and it also requires an actual certification. So you come out and get audited. Somebody will come and audit your organization to see how how your organization is... um, complying with these standards. So it definitely gives you that certification that lasts for three years, I believe. And it's something you can put forward to your customers. Right. And again, speaking from the same language, right? So you can say I've been audited against ISO 27001. Mm -hmm. And there should be a general understanding, right? A global understanding of what that means. And there are actually mapping between the different uh, Uh, frameworks. That's a really important point too, because some of our customers will have their clientele come to them asking to, you know, demonstrate compliance with standard X. Mm-hmm. And realistically, it's not about standard X. It's about demonstrating rigor. Um, it's to help that conversation purely. And as long as you can show forethought and use of one of the standards, the mappings themselves make that, that kind of conversation clear. And there's a lot of overlap. You know, there's the access management encryption, um, education, there's a lot of overlap between all of them. So it really depends on how your organization wants to approach cybersecurity. They're daunting, but it's it's definitely something that's doable by almost every organization. But I think that overlap comment's a good one uh, in the sense that by picking one, doesn't mean that you're excluding requirements necessarily that are others, right? They, to your point, they're, they're all going to have some you know, network security components. They're going to have security awareness components, right? There's a, there's a whole variety of things that do overlap. And there might be some distinctions, of course. Yeah. Uh, but generally, there are only so many security controls that you can put in place. Uh, the language maybe around how you measure yourself might be slightly different. I think the language around sort of expected outcomes might be a little bit different, maybe? A little bit. Uh, NIST is definitely more focused on the the technological end of it, um, where ISO is much more of a, as I mentioned, a managerial approach to it. But they do have a lot of the same language and a lot of overlap. Um, So if you were suggesting to smaller organizations how to to 
tackle this, right? Because I think some of the some of the conversations that we've had certainly have been one, you know, maybe somebody doesn't want to spend money because there's certainly, you know, there's certainly a, a financial component of, the, of compliance, right? Sure. Um, and a lot of the times that we'll chat, it's around, well, I need to make sure there's an ROI here, right? That I get that I get money back for the investment that I've made. Um, do you have counsel for how people might approach that or you know, approach these reasonably? Because uh, I think that's often that's often the challenge, right? They feel onerous, they feel big. Um, how do you approach it to feel like you're actually making progress in a way that fits a budget potentially? Well, it all depends on the organization and it depends on what type of service or item you're providing and what the cost of cybersecurity would be based on what service you're providing. So in other words, if um, for the NIST 800-171, which is CUI-based, um, organizations need to look at how much they're bringing in based on their CUI contracts. And maybe a percentage of that should be based on cybersecurity because it is so important that you keep that information secure a larger percentage of that should be based on cybersecurity, but every organization should implement some version of securing their information. So, you know, every organization has to do it their own way. Right. As far as a budgetary requirement. But, but actually, I mean, that is really the right way to look at it, right? It's how much of your business uh, might have, might carry a regulatory requirement. Uh, and frankly, how much of a spend do you need to, to make to protect that? Uh, I, I want to back up for one quick second. If you promise we do this every time. Uh, CUI stands oh, for sorry. control. No, that's fine. Controlled unclassified information. And we're not. Right. I'm not going to spend one second trying to describe <laughs> what CUI is. Uh, but you know, for, for anybody who's interested, right? Uh, controlled right. unclassified information, which which really is specifically under 171 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for the federal government. Right. Right. Um, <laughs> to the degree that you can't have a favorite. Uh, does anybody have a favorite standard or one that you know, you feel that a maybe maybe let's, let's change this let's say it this way a business that might not have a specific requirement around implementing a specific standard um, is there one that just feels like the right balance of security and say you know, reasonableness perhaps uh, I'm just curious about opinions I, I'm fond of the uh, NIST cybersecurity framework it's mm-hmm. General, it's high level, it's approachable, and it's not overly prescriptive. Absent any sort of uh, specific business requirement, it's a relatively good place to land. Karen? I'm a little, I prefer the ISO 27001, of course, but because um, I feel it's got the, it takes into account um, how your managers are going to put this framework into place. And works on improvement every year. Mm, yeah, so not only part. you don't have to take the whole thing and implement every single standard, but you can start with a risk analysis and go from there. What's our highest risk? What do we need to implement first? And then move forward. And then following that, the next year you do a risk assessment. You find out if anything has changed, if, if what you have put in place is beneficial, is working. And then you address some more security controls. So you can kind of build it up slowly. Right. That maturation process is important. And on that note, I I think that it's worthy. I think it's worthy to think of uh, the various standards that we're describing as Mm -hmm. targets. They can be discovery vehicles as well. 
you, you don't start out the gate implementing to meet a standard. It doesn't work that way. You have to measure first, determine what's worthy of prioritizing, what's relevant within the budget, timeframes, staffing, and all of that. They are, again, getting back to our road mapping and um, blueprint uh, metaphor, helpful to define a trajectory for security improvement overall. And if you look at it in that way, they're less um, looming, they're less confrontational types of subjects. And perhaps they point in a direction that helped identify new resources or uh, deficiencies that organizations didn't know existed. So I mean, it feels to me like you're describing the idea of you're developing a plan of action and milestones, right? So measuring yourself against a standard, uh, identifying those areas that you're sort of currently compliant with, identifying where your gaps are, and then really being able to put together that roadmap that, that I think, Carrie, that you've described, which is what potentially does my next 12, 24, 36 months look like as I mature my organization around this, this specific standard? Um, typically, you don't have to do it overnight. You, you, I suppose it's possible. You know, if, you, if you're in a regulated environment, you've done nothing and you have to comply with HIPAA. You know, there may be some work to do, right? But you know, more often than not, there's the ability to, to mature your, pro- your program and your business around these set of standards. Um, is there anything in closing maybe that you guys like to add uh, relative to these? I'd say that absent a requirement to meet a particular standard, it's appropriate to choose something that feels well adapted to the business. And it's entirely appropriate to select a subset of that standard to implement if that is um, a tolerable target within your organization. As long as you do something, it's about forethought, it's about planning, it's about improving the state of affairs from today and into the future. And to the extent that their guidance uh, can help, that's how I that's how I look at these things. I think uh, one of the important factors in most of these frameworks is a risk assessment, similar to what uh, Stephen was saying. If you sit down with your organization and find out what your risks are, not just your IT guy, you know, let's talk to your general manager, your HR director. They're all going to have different risks. So why don't we prioritize what the largest risk to your organization and the daily function that you have right now and move from there. So work on what is going to affect you the most first. So I like, the, the thing I like about that statement, and, and I feel like we could make this another 20 minutes if we wanted to, is, the, is that intersection of IT risk versus business risk. And I think the fact that you're touching on, you know, security is just a conduit to improving your business ultimately, right? And making sure that everybody's bought in, I think is really important. Um, you know, I think ultimately there, there, there is a lot of institutional benefit for identifying and trying to adhere to a standard, right? You can speak the same language. You've got all the reputational benefits that we talked about. Um, it allows you something to build your program on. You know, generally, while while maybe not the most exciting discipline for information security, perhaps, right? And, and I think a lot of, you know, a lot of IT practitioners in general prefer more technical controls implementations. Um, this really does guide the work that your business is doing and your sort of technical staff is doing. Uh, and I think there's a, lot of, there's a lot of good reason to implement that for that. Um, so I think on that note, uh, I appreciate Steve and Terry, you joining me today and talking about security standards. Uh, Hopefully we've demystified that a little bit. 
for folks who are listening. Uh, and as always, right, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, if you've got any questions or comments relative to this topic, we're happy to, to try to address them there. Uh, follow us on LinkedIn and your podcast is available on Spotify and, and Apple Music, among a variety of other locations. So thanks both of you for joining. Uh, and I hope people got value out of this. Stay vigilant. Stay resilient. This has been Cyber Sound.